Well then, you know, let's start the latest episode of Stargate Weekly. I'm Stuart Hollis. I'm Thaddy. And this week we're going to talk about Season 1, Episode 12, Bloodlines. Mm. As always, I don't remember much of anything, so what do you remember from your recent watch-through? As usual, I remember most of it. All the things, yes, of course. We might need to just abandon this this segment, because like, uh, unless it's like a really big standout episode, I don't remember anything. And if, unless it's a really terrible episode that I never rewatch, I do. Right, I mean... <laughs> Just based on the name, no, I remember nothing. Based on the like the 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 thumbnail from TV Guide, Braytac, yay, and nothing else. Based on the name, remember we we talked about this last week. It it took me a minute or so to yeah. remember which episode this was. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, I didn't get a chance to do like a, a note taking watch through. Uh, I did just watch it. I I, I just finished it out maybe thirty minutes ago. Hey, me too. So it is, it's pretty fresh in my head, but it's been a crazy week uh, for me at work. Yeah, if I like randomly stop talking, it's because I fell asleep. Not because you're boring, but because weird, chip, weird uh, system things at work meant that I was not allowed to be signed in after 5 p.m. today. So I worked 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Okay. Which meant I had to wake up at 7 and I didn't fall asleep until 2.30 last night. So. Okay, I got I got woken up this morning at seven thirty by a phone call from someone who didn't mean to call me. Ugh! Don't you normally get up around then, though? Oh yeah, sure. But this was like you know, like so it wasn't as terribly inconvenient as it could have been. It was still you know how it goes where if you wake up like fifteen minutes early abruptly, that it's oh, yeah. still kind of uh, annoying. Even one minute early. Abruptly. Yeah. <laughs> And the word, you know, so I answer the phone and I can't hear the other person. And I just assume that it's my cell phone being a punk because my cell phone is, you know, my work phone is, I don't know, like what, it's a 5S. So it's like three, four years old at this point, I guess. And bent. <laughs> like, right. Like literally bent, you know. For yeah, people. no, I've seen it. Well, no, you have. But like for people who don't know, I slipped uh, on some ice one day as i was heading into work landed flat on my back i use a backpack to carry all my stuff and only my work provided stuff got busted my work phone and i had like the the jetpack a verizon mifi device uh the work phone sandwiched the mifi into my work laptop cracking the screen of the laptop utterly obliterating the MiFi and bending my work iPhone it still functions thank you for not suing the person who owned the property where you slipped <laughs> the worst part of all of this scenario there were, there were two very bad things but the worst part had to be that I then get into my car I'm in pain because I just landed on my back on a bunch of like you know tech objects and I mean, the big flat laptop helped lessen the blow a little bit, but it was not—it was not pleasant. I get to work and I get turned around at the gate because, of course, they're on a delay because of all the ice. <laughs> the second very bad thing about this story is that this happened six months after work had just had to replace the laptop because my last one had been stolen out of my car. 
So I had to get on the phone with my boss and explain I just broke another, I, you know, I just broke the laptop. I now have, you know, I just made another laptop unusable. Yeah, but didn't you, like, keep using it uh, attached to a monitor for a couple years? Oh, yeah, no, I mean, it was just the screen that was cracked, so I just used it in, in clamshell mode for the rest of the time. It was fine. So let's talk about the show. This, is, <laughs> right. this has been your weekly episode of Stuart and Fed, well, mostly Stuart's check travails weekly well if you keep the beginning stuff in it's mine too sure that's very true so anyway let's talk about the episode (laughs) right take us through it okay well we open up with a scene that we later find out is teal dreaming uh and there's something interesting in this scene okay you notice that some of the priests had a different forehead symbol? I did notice that. I didn't notice it in that scene, but I did notice it later. So the some of the priests have a different forehead symbol. Also, the guards had a yet a third forehead symbol. I did not notice the guards. I looked this up. Okay. I looked this up to wonder, you know, okay, are they a different... Are they Jaffa belonging to a different system lord or something like that? Well, they hadn't actually come up with the idea of the different symbols for the different system lords yet because so far apophis is the only one we know oh okay so at this point they were using the head symbols to indicate like rank or cast yeah like the the priests have their own symbol the guards have their own symbol okay which is interesting it's the only time that that happens in the entire show well okay then the more you know and knowing is half the so anyway Teal has this dream where it starts with it starts with him seeing Ryak, his son. Who well, I guess we don't know is Ryak yet. Correct. Uh, or that he's his son. Uh, being implanted, and then as dream sequences are want to do, suddenly it's Teal on the table. Yes, and everything about the dream sequence to me felt very much a product of its time. Oh yeah. I don't know if they would do it quite that way today everything about it with like the we you know sort of like the white gossamer backing and everything it was just very much a product of sort of mid 90s um sensibilities is not quite the right word i'm looking for but you aesthetic. know what I'm saying? yeah there it is well done so he's coming out of his nightmare and mm-hmm. he's screaming out Ryak! which we don't know yet but we do, is his son. And in fact, Teal says it's nothing. Right, he does say it's nothing, because he's, he's a big fat phony. Mm. Or his son means nothing to him. Indeed. And we you know, get through this. Jack starts talking to him later, finds out he left his son behind. Jack seems both sympathetic to this idea that it's you know wow you turned around and helped us and left your family behind but at the same time he's also like you you why didn't you tell us because you not telling us makes us wonder if you have more that you haven't told us so yes but we also just glossed over a relatively important plot point teal was having this dream while they were doing an experiment to see if he could live without a symbiote yes that is reasonably important and they Discover that, no, he can't. No, no, he can't. Teal'c is sad. Well, he's not really. I don't know if Teal'c literally ever gets sad in the entire run of the show. He just gets more stoic. I want to say 
uh, season six, episode one, Redemption. Okay. Well, we'll but it's find still out. Still mostly stoic. Right. Was then they go into the briefing, uh, where Hammond is sort of semi lamenting. I mean, not really. It seems like he's kind of like in a sort of. Well, I guess they're not gonna uh, saying that the folks in Langley. And I'm not. I I have to assume he means the CIA. Although there is literally Langley Air Force Base. Yeah, there is. But I feel like they wouldn't care as much. Yeah, I don't think that Langley Air Force Base is a heavy research center for the Air Force. I don't know where the Air Force does its research. Probably not Langley. In later episodes of Stargate, it's all done at Area 51. Right, but... And I mean, I suppose that could be where they actually do their research, but... I mean, Edwards, which is out in that part of the country, Mm -hmm. would make more sense. It's out there in the desert, not a whole lot around. Yeah, they go to Edwards a couple times on the show. Yeah, whereas Langley is like 20 minutes at, you know, from like a suburb or something. Yeah. But that's neither here nor there. Teal points out that, hey, we could have plenty of other gold if we went back to Trulock. <laughs> yeah, which seems to come out of nowhere. Yes, but General Hammond is like, no, no, we're not doing that. So after Teal reveals to Jack that he has a son. Right, that's when this happens, not before. Then they come back and try to convince Hammond again, mm-hmm. and Hammond's not buying it, but he knows that Jack is not revealing everything. Correct. But then Teal forces Hammond's hand by kicking everyone out of the control room? Yeah, how did how did he even get to start dialing the gate? How does he know how to dial the gate? And I ask this only because the number of conversations I've had this past week at work, which were listen, I'm on this side of the business and you're on that side of the business and I don't know how your processes work. Yeah. So, God, please stop asking me. It's been a rough week. That's fair. So, yeah, I mean, how, like, where is everyone in the control room? How does he know how to dial the system? It's, it's all very strange. Yeah, so he goes, he forces their hand and... Hammond does as Hammond has been doing, which is ultimately relent and Mm -hmm. like, well, you know, surprise, I was going to approve this mission all along. Mm -hmm. So then we cut to them. We cut to a very interesting buzzer sound, which I don't recall ever hearing before. Like just as the gate kabooshes, there's a buzzer noise in the gate room. I remember hearing that and thinking it sounded almost familiar, but I, I couldn't quite place it. So, yeah, I'm with you on the never heard it before. And they're uh, they're heading to the gate wearing uh, Jaffa priest outfits. And here we have Daniel's incredible disappearing, reappearing glasses. Well, Carter tells him to take off his glasses. Yes, and he does. Yes. And then in the next scene when Hammond, or not the next scene, like 30 seconds when Hammond says Godspeed, and they turn around to look at him. Mm-hmm. Daniel's wearing his glasses. I must have been looking away at that time. I noted the Godspeed thing and thinking of the idea that that's kind of a th- funny thing to say, considering that Teal'c, as the show is going on, we're getting more and more of Teal'c's mission and quest to free the Jaffa from slavery from false gods. Mm. And he's here with the Earthens, 
The Tau Wraith. <laughs> That's a joke you'll understand later, listeners. That's He's, a, yeah, season six. Yeah. I don't remember the name of the episode. Uh, yeah, no, but it was like early episode, episode three, episode four. A little say. later than that. Oh, was Early it? season six, but okay. yeah. Yeah, it's the yeah. one where they first, uh, ironically, it'll sort of tie into this episode. It does tie into this episode, yes. <laughs> it, it, it really, really does. It's when they first uh, come across, um, oh, what's it called? Tritonin. Thank you, Tritonin. I knew it started with a T. But yeah, no, uh, so... Those the, of us who aren't originally from Earth need to stick together. <laughs> Are you suggesting an alien conspiracy? <laughs> was so good um <laughs> anyway right. back to season one <laughs> uh so yeah the idea of hammond saying godspeed i i kind of feel like i didn't i wasn't looking at the screen at the time because i was doing other things uh i i would hope that anytime something like that would come up the two could have like a little bit of an eyebrow raise like oh okay so this one's okay yeah, I understand why they don't ever get into it, but it's a little funny that we never get into Teal'c being, you know, questioning Christianity or Islam or Hindu or any yeah. of the Earth religions. I don't know, maybe because in none of them do they, is there a person that someone can point to as being like, this guy's been around for hundreds of years subjugating us. Yeah. So we'll let them slide. And there is a ghoul who pretends to be the devil, but we never meet one who pretends to be God. Well, not, yeah, Judeo-Christian, or even Islamic God. Like, they don't even think yes, they get I into meant, any... Yeah, I meant large G-God. I, I got it. But, so they go through the gate. And they're met by the some priests with their priest mark, including one priest with, like, a special silvery priest mark. Yeah, because he's the priestiest priest. Yes, he looks like a that guy, but he's not. He just looks like a that guy. That's how the that guys get you. <laughs> like, he's so much not of that guy, he doesn't even have a picture on IMDb. That's amazing. So what do we but call that? I don't know the name of the that guy I think he looks like, nor can I remember exactly what else I've seen that that guy in. Can we call that a what guy? <laughs> yes, I like it. <laughs> All right, let's stick with that. When you think it's a that guy, but you're wrong. What guy? Yeah. Okay, so yeah, so they yeah the um, the priest starts interrogating them, but she was like, "Nah, not yeah, that." Right, nah, that ain't me. And <laughs> they make their way off. They get to Teal's house. It's been burned down because I couldn't remember the episode when he goes round the side and collapsed and falls to his knees, and he's you know he kind of like struck by what he's seeing on the wall, I could have swore we were about to see some charred corpses. Or corpse, mm. rather. Like of his, I forgot that uh, his wife had survived. I remember that his son had, because Rayak, uh, Ryak is in further episodes. But I couldn't remember if his, if his wife had survived or not. So, it was really... so is his wife, although not with this actress. Okay. This actress as we'll find it later, is Sally uh, Richardson yeah. Whitfield from Eureka. Yes. Yep. And I had that noted down to comment on that as yes. well. <laughs> and I mean, and any number of other sci-fi shows. Because shows shot in Vancouver tend to use the same actors over and over and over again. Who aren't themselves from Vancouver. So it's not like they're just like hanging around 
when the shooting starts. But I mean, considering that they tend to go from show to show, maybe they are. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> but I was so certain there was gonna be like a charred skeleton hanging from the wall and so we just I, get this yeah, uh uh what's that thing called? The the medicine thing. What? With the snake in the staff. Oh, oh, I don't remember what that's called. Yeah, one of them looking thing Staff but with the Hermes. Okay, but it had doesn't it have another name? Yeah, it has like a uh there you know there I it had a Greek name that I believe means Staff of Hermes, but yes. Okay. Uh, you know, but it's it looks like one of those but with a sword. Mm. It does. It it's the Sholva symbol. Yes, which it sounded like he said something different. This is also the first time Sholva is explained. It's yes. not the first time it is used. No, that was in the Knox. Yes. Which I pointed out. I beat you to it. So there. <laughs> and the- then we get Tony Amendola. Yes. Love Master Braytac. Although, I, I, I don't know if they ever fully explain what Tecmatal Braytac means or, or Tecmatal. Tecmate is, like gre- is like a respectful greeting. Right, but it sounds like he's... It's like the most wooden delivery... It's gotta be just about, like, the weakest part of uh, Christopher Judge's performance in the whole episode. And almost every time, and and, that, and that's basically just how he always says it, too, going forward. Yeah. And it sounds like this weird, forced, out-of-place thing. Like, someone who, does, who knows a little bit of Latin trying to read Latin. Hmm. That sort of thing. Yeah, I can see that. But anyway, Braytac shows up, and that's exciting. Yeah. And he, you know, insults them all and calls them... Not warriors. Uh, some, a hashak. A shock. Yes. And of course, Jack being Jax is who you call him a hassock. Right. And then and Jack just, shows him that he's not quite, he, quite he's a no complete hashock after right. all. Yeah, no, he, he's no hassock. <laughs> and then we get the funny thing where... Uh, he reveals that he's over 100 years old and just like, oh crap, I just beat up an elderly guy. Right. And then gets beaten in turn. And yeah, gets knocked back down. But he gets up again. He's never going to keep him down. But, uh, I mean, that's a, that's a fairly standard trope of new guy surprises, mm-hmm. the existing hero knocks down the hero, hero knocks down the new guy, new guy knocks down the hero, sort of. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't have a better way of oh, explaining yeah. it, but that. I'm sure um, TV Tropes has a name for it. Oh, man, of course they do. Doesn't TV Tropes have a name for everything? Yes. It has some tropes that are named after Stargate. As it should be. Jonas Quinn being one of them. Yes. So, he, yeah, Carter and Jackson get sent back to the gate to hang out and wait while Jack, Braytac, and Teal go off in search of Dryak, who I don't know if they've actually said her name yet. They probably have. Uh, go off in search of the wife and son. Yeah, Dreyak and Ryak. Yeah. Yeah, they they pronounce it interestingly. I, I think it's supposed to be Dreyak, because Ryak is spelled R-Y-A-C, mm-hmm. and Dreyak is spelled D-R-E-Y-A-U-C. Don't forget that apostrophe somewhere in the middle. Well, yes, there's an apostrophe at the, after the Y on both of them. Mm-hmm. Because... If you don't have that apostrophe, you wouldn't know that a syllable changes there, except you still would. Sure. But so, anyway. like, I feel like it's supposed to be Dreyak, but it sounds more like Dreyak whenever they say it. Which leads me, because we have Braytac, Ryak, 
Treyak, Treyak, whatever, and Tilk. Why isn't it Tilak? Exactly. Or Tyak. And I think the Ak thing comes up a fair amount. It's a common-ish yeah. way to end like a, a, the Jaffa culture name. I wonder if maybe Tilk is just like a shortened form of Tilak. Yeah. Maybe the apostrophe really does mean something. That's a possible. That was that was a bad joke. Ah, oh, I just got it. That was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so, so off they go to the leper colony. Yep, and uh, Sam and Daniel see the priests carrying a container of gold. I don't know if they know that they're gold yet. They just decide to follow the priests. Right, because it, it, well, it seems like, well, this is a ceremonial procession. Let's do some recon sort of thing. I don't know if they knew they were ghouled yet. That's fair. So, at the leper colony, Teal comes upon a Jaffa priest, who's not apparently a very fancy priest, because he just has the normal Apophis symbol. Actually, it's not quite the normal Apophis symbol. It's kind of a smaller version of the Apophis symbol. I don't know if you noticed that priest. Uh, head thing, but it was weird. Like, he's got a big U, like you have for the outside, mm-hmm. and then a tiny serpent in the middle of it. It looked weird. Uh, no, I don't think I did quite notice it. Apparently, I paid way more attention to the foreheads. Yeah, I'm way busier looking at their butts. I mean, it probably might have something to do with the fact that I'm watching it, you know, on the giant screen, too. Yes, uh, whereas I keep watching them on my iPad. Little difference in the screen size there. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Because especially on the first watch through, I'm eating dinner and watching it. Because mm. like life and busyness. Sure. And on particularly busy weeks such as this one. Hey, everyone, have I mentioned how busy my week has been so far with work? I don't think you have. Let me tell you about it. Um... <laughs> in the after show uh but you know i there it is i mean i could either spend my time eating my dinner and watching youtube videos or i could be burning through 30 minutes of stargate let's watch some stargate yeah so but i want to get back to talking about uh carter and 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 jackson's little diversion into the woods sure so they they come across the ceremony which involves just Dumping a, like, big ladle of water into the Gould fish tank? Yeah, basically. Yeah, that seemed really weird to me. Carter and Jackson realize what... The Holy Sepulchre. Yes, thank you. They... Sepulchre's a word that doesn't get used very much anymore. Yeah, and I think it's actually Sepulchre. I pronounced it wrong. That's okay. Actually, now I don't know, because maybe I'm, like, confusing it with Sepiku. Well, like I said, it doesn't get used very much anymore, so I don't think anyone noticed or cared people noticed I... people cared but regardless of how one pronounces sepulcher 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 i like that one what matters is the episode google says sepulcher okay then that's how i won't say it so you know they're observing it they realize it's full of gold larva they carter psychs herself up and here we again have daniel saying goulds yeah it... It, it, it was about... Sam says go old. Yes. Sam was pretty good about saying it a couple, three times throughout the episode, but Jackson, anthropologist supreme, and apparently go-to guide for anything that doesn't involve shooting things, 
doesn't know how to say it pr- properly. So maybe we need a new anthropologist on the team. I'm just saying, you know. Mm. Boy, I really hope this guy doesn't stick around for four or five seasons and then stick around for another four or five seasons. Don't worry, I have it. I have it on good authority that he dies soon. Excellent. So they realize that they have the big bucket of gould there. Sam psychs herself up, gets the gould out of there. I kind of like the psych up sequence. That was yeah. fun. And and then Jackson blows the thing away with his... Commits genocide. No, I don't think four is genocide. Okay, commits a hate crime. Okay. Genocide technically doesn't, re- doesn't specify how many you kill. Four just seems low. Hmm. Okay, Daniel does something that should be... That seems really out of character for him. Yes and no. Up until this point, we have seen, and this is why I want to talk about it, because on the one hand, it I feel like they're trying to play it like it's counter character, but at the same time, every time we've come across it, we have, any time it's come up, and it's come up every other episode. Yeah, he's actually been, yeah, okay, I, I, I guess he does something out of character for future Daniel. Right, it's from our perspective it seems out it seems a little out of character because in future future episodes Daniel never shies away with from doing what needs to be done but he's not first to violence right whereas so far in season 1 honestly it was Daniel's idea to jump Apophis in the episode of the Knox Daniel's the one that keeps trying to convince people let's not blow up this technology because this is how I'm going to save my wife the woman enslaved and imprisoned by the Gould that's Daniel's primary motivation is getting his wife back and making all the Goulds burn yeah but I get like when you get down to it and Carter points this out he's killing things that are at least for the moment innocent so in defense of Daniel's action and this involves the fact that we know things. Genetic, the genetic memory thing? Part of it's genetic memory, which they, which they discuss. I think they've already brought up that genetic memory exists. But also the fact that the vast majority of them are basically born evil. Yes. Because of the genetic memory. Right. And so, if anything... And the overuse of the um, sarcophagus of their forebears. Correct. And so, if anything, this is actually the more moral action, in my opinion, Mm. rather than also killing a human, or any creature, killing a creature who has been taken over by this evil parasitic symbiote. It comes down to the the thing, would you go back in time and kill baby Hitler? I don't even know if it's that, because it's not like baby Hitler crawled into the head of some other innocent creature. You don't know that. You're right, I don't. But I'm pretty sure. But in this case, this is a question of unquestionably destroying an evil being, or destroying an evil being and what is possibly an innocent creature as well. Mm. Because up until this point, Everything they've come across that could maybe save the innocent half of the equation, they've blown up. Yeah. So, I understand Carter's side of the equation. And also, given our future knowledge of 
the man that Jackson becomes. Mm. This is out of character. And I understand Carter's argument. But at the same time, I totally get where Jackson was coming from. And I argue in favor of the fact that it was honestly possibly the right thing to do. Yeah, no, I can see that argument. But I can also... Yeah, it feels weird. Yeah. The only downside to the way he did it was the possibility of his gunfire attracting attention. And it very well may have. That may be how the Jaffa got onto their trail in the first place. Right, exactly. They don't ever quite make that clear, but it's not like guns are quiet. No. Right. That it would be a strange noise for Chulak, too. Yes. Something worthy of investigation if you were to hear it. Yes. And you need to go off and blow your horn thing. Yes. Which makes me wonder, why doesn't Teal just carry one of those on every mission? Get, like, a couple of miles from the gate, blow the horn, and now they have a clear path back to the gate. Because it was like the horn went and, like, boom. You know, like, well, in this case, the priest guy gave them the thumbs up to do it. But horn goes, thumbs up given, off go most of the guards. So, in our discussion of Sam and Daniel and their side trip to get a Gould. Yes. We have gone way past the A plot of the episode. Yeah, no, that's fine. I just. The A plot of the episode is fine. But I just really want to talk about the moral decision of the B plot. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, so did I. <laughs> so let's get back to the A plot then. Right. So Teal comes in, stops the Gould priest from implanting the symbiotic right, and ends up killing him in the process. Accidentally. You know, like you do. And Dreyak tries to stop Teal'c, uh, and we find out that Ryak is sick. We also find out it's Dreyak. Yes, there's that too. Right. Like, we had already talked about Dreyak, but yes. <laughs> yeah, it, it's during this sequence, it is not until the very end of the fight that we find out, oh no, wait, Dreyak. Yeah. Surprise, the person who's assisting the priest is your wife. So I'm pretty sure that not only is Dreyok played by a different... Well, I'm positive Dreyok's played by a different actress in the future. But I'm also pretty sure she doesn't wear a miniskirt in the future. Well, I guess we'll just have to wait and find out. That isn't... Does that... I guess it... I guess it counts as a miniskirt. It's above the knee. Yeah, what else would you call it? I'm not a skirtologist. Right, no, exactly. I don't wear very many skirts. I don't even wear kilts, unlike some people on this call. Yeah, well... My knowledge of kilts is that it's definitely not a kilt. Would it be a mini kilt if it was above the knee? I don't think that's a thing. <laughs> God, I hope that's not a thing. You know that it's a thing. It's, it's probably a thing. Yeah. <laughs> Teal care. So, Dreyak and, and Teal have a contentious reunion. Teal carries Ryak back, back to the leper colony. I don't know. Did they ever give it a Chulakian name? They just call it the camp. All right. That's boring. Back to the leper colony. <laughs> Teal'c finds out that Ryak is sick, has been sick since Teal'c went all, screw you guys, I'm betraying my god. So Jack points out, I'm no doctor. I know scarlet fever when I see it. But then points out that he doesn't know what scarlet fever is. Does he also say that he doesn't know what scarlet fever is? No. He says that's scarlet fever. Right. And then, uh... Uh, either Dreyok or Teal, I can't remember now, ask if they have a treatment. And he says, we have some vaccines and antibiotics. Oh, okay, that's what you're saying. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, there you go. The, 
Those are your bases. I'm not what I think it's a virus. Um, I'm now looking this up. Okay. Take your time. I'll wait. It's not like. But I also wouldn't recognize Scarlet Fever when I saw it. Apparently, unlike Jack, apparently. Jack has served in some crazy places. He can't tell you about without killing you. It is. It is a bacterial okay. infection. You can. It can be treated with antibiotics. Prognosis is good. So when he's saying he doesn't know if he would be okay when they got him through the gate, eh, he probably would be. He probably would be, but maybe it's burgundy fever. Because, yeah, he might recognize it as fitting all the symptoms of scarlet fever, which is to say fever, because this is not like Jack spent a lot of time examining Ryak or anything. Interesting. Scarlet fever can lead to arthritis later in life. And it seems a little odd that he's carrying... I mean, I guess he's carrying something like penicillin plus plus. That makes sense. Yeah, that actually... Yeah. Yeah. Never mind. It's not like he would have, you know, the official Air Force issue scarlet fever treatment He's pouch. He's carrying vaccines and antibiotics, obviously. Like one does. Antibiotics actually does make sense for deploying. But... Yeah, no, it actually does make sense for him to have antibiotics on hand. Yes. Uh... And it, it, it reminds me of something from, as you know, my favorite book, Kryptonomicon, where towards the very, very end, uh, one of the characters... Uh, is injured in such a way that they're concerned about infection and they get antibiotics flown in and the the line is up to the effect of and this weird jungle infection hadn't even met penicillin let alone this new souped up version of penicillin and so she and so the person got better in like three days uh so i have to imagine it's that sort of thing where you're dealing with we don't ever, you know, especially in a society where at least most of the men, they don't get into the women very much, are part of the warrior caste that has a symbiote inside of them that it acts as their immune system. And so, therefore, they don't need to worry about things like antibiotics. Right. And that's something or that we washing see, their hands. Right. And that's something that we see time and time again as we'll go through the show is we get to these civilizations where it's like you just have to assume that they just don't have this kind of medicine. And even our most basic of antibiotics who just just tear through anything that they have. Yeah. Whatever Jack's carrying, I bet it would have worked given it enough time if it weren't convenient to the epi- the plot for it to not. Right. Yeah, getting us back to the plot. It's weird to think of because you know today the all, all the the concern is over super bacteria that resist antibiotics. Yes, it's weird to think of it the other way around. Yes, that's what I was trying to get at. So when Daniel and Sam are first attacked by the Jaffa, mm-hmm. Daniel had just started eating a granola bar. When he hides around the tree, he sort of looks at his granola bar for a second and then throws it away to draw grab his gun. Nutrition's important. I'm like, That's what I'm taking from this. I'm wondering why he threw it away at all. Why not just, like, stick it in his pocket while he's grabbing his gun? Because then he would just have a pocket full of crumbs and no granola bar. <laughs> that's that's fair. Just saying. <laughs> I mean, or you, you look at some of the granola bars that I eat, which are not granola bars at all, but to give that sort of connotation, like protein bars, for example, they would just be, like, a weird sort of puddle thing in my pocket gross <laughs> like, well you know like quest bars for example which are 
effectively a very slow moving liquid. They're mm. they're they're not solid in the conventional sense. They're almost like putty ish. I've actually the... never eaten anything like that. Okay. Yeah. I mean that's the closest thing to it. You know, you get like your average like candy bar, for example, it doesn't just like it, it it's free form. The candy bar can hold its shape. Um a, typically, yes. Yeah, a, a, like a quest bar and things of that nature, especially as you as they get warmed up, like from say your pocket, mm. uh, will sort of droop over because they don't they they won't hold their shape just based on what they're made I out mean, of. That also applies to a normal candy bar. Ish, and then in that case, then like the chocolate's also going to melt off in the process. Mm. So now that we've gone down yet another completely unrelated tangent hey man all right what are the what are the listeners what are the listeners paying for nothing this they are paying for this top quality tangent entertainment we're getting money sweet tangent entertainment uh i can see what you're trying to go for there but it sounded weird better than the last one still not great we'll get there yeah. someday so he looks for so he looks forlornly at his granola bar and decides to return fire. Yes. Tell us what happens next. Uh, then Carter throws a grenade and, you know, takes him out. Hacks. <laughs> so at which point do, are they meeting... I guess at, at this point, Teal'c and crew are making their way towards the gate and they realize yes. Ryak's not going to make it, so Teal'c transfers his symbiote to Ryak. Mm-hmm. And they soldier on as best they can, and now they've met up with Carter and Jackson, right? Yeah, I don't believe they actually move once that happens. Oh, well, that's, that's boring. Uh, like, Teal transfers Symbiote to Ryak, then they have to wait for Ryak to regain some strength, and Teal makes the comment that once Ryak is strong enough to move, he won't be. When will he be strong enough to travel? Soon. But by then, O'Neill, I will no longer be. Ah, that's fair. Uh, yeah, you're right. Yes, I remember that. So then Carter and Daniel show up. Jack says that Teal'c no longer has a gold in him, and that's a problem. And Daniel's like, hey, we have one. So, see, the B-plot in wasn't worthless after all. In addition to giving us a wonderful moral conversation. Yeah. And Braytac has a brief moment of outrage that they would defile the sepulcher. Which seems a little weird coming from a guy who wants to tear down the false gods. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That was my thought. But it also is probably just him, you know, having his deep-seated, you know, cultural stuff. Right, sure. I mean, I'm not a Christian, but I was raised Christian, and I sure as heck have a lot of Christian cultural stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I generally get offended when any sort of religious monument or building or artifact or anything of that nature is destroyed, regardless of the source religion. Yeah. Yeah, whether it's, was it Buddhist statues in Afghanistan that the Taliban blew up? Yes. Right. You know, whether it's that or... You know, a mosque getting firebombed, or a, or a Christian temple, um, or the ancient uh, pagan pre-Muslim stuff that ISIS is blowing up. Right. You know, any of it. You know, this is it's in addition to the cultural loss. It is that religion, although I'm not particularly religious myself, if at all, or even really all that spiritual. 
it's important culturally, historically, and mm-hmm. to the people to whom it's important, it's incredibly important. And it just, yeah. you know, it's it's a terrible thing when something like that, that gets blown up. I think it's okay when it's the gold where it's the because you know. Yes, getting back to the episode. Oppressors. It's, yes, getting back to the episode. It's totally okay when it's the oppressors, which I suppose is the justification for all the real world actions. Well, mm, but they're not. Not all of them. But they're not weird. In, so, in several instances, it's the oppressors doing the destruction. But it, they're not weird snake things that crawl into your brain that you know of. That's very true. Okay. So anyway, so Carter Jackson says, hey, by the way, we have a snake thing that can crawl into his stomach. Right. They say, well, it's not a fully mature one, so it's not going to be great. But Apparently it is actually great, though. Right, it's super great. Teal could be putting on a strong face, though. It's true. I mean, it's out of character for him. He's usually quite a whiner. Oh, yeah. How hilarious would that be? Whiny Teal. Yeah. Right? Like, even if there had been, like, one episode where he had gotten, like, hit in the head really hard and it was a whiny teal, that have been kind of funny. It would. At this point, they make their way back to the gate. Braytac shows why he is Braytac. Mm-hmm. He kicks the ass of what guy? Yeah. And what guy's guards. Yeah. About that, also fires a staff weapon much faster than anyone ever has or will. Yeah, because he's Braytac. Yeah, I was gonna say he's just, that's just how Braytac rolls. It could be his own personal staff weapon that he's modified. I believe it. Sort of like the eventual sawed-off staff weapons that we'll see in <laughs> seasons hence. Mm. From the the whatever warriors, the ones who can turn turn invisible. The coal warrior. No, the coal warriors are. The weird Anubis things. Yeah. The uh, Sodan. Thank you. Yeah. And then that's it, right? You know, they go through the gate and I suppose that... The Sodan are led by Tony Todd. Yes! Not... I mean, obviously Keith David would have been much, much better. I Not only because he has a better... Don't know who Keith David you is. You don't know who Keith David is? No. Oh my god. I might if I, like, saw his picture, but... I mean, first of all, he has a much better double first name name than Tony Todd. Mm, okay. All respect to Tony Todd. I was going to say, I have a lot of respect for Tony Todd. I love Tony Todd. Don't let anyone ever tell you I don't love Tony Todd. Because I do. I love Tony Todd. Oh, yeah. That guy. Yeah. Not that guy. Keith David. Yeah. All right. Because in addition to all of his wonderful movies, he's also plays himself in the Saints Row games <laughs> as Vice President Keith David. That's great. It is great because he's Keith David and he's amazing. Due respect to Tony Todd. <laughs> Getting back to the episode. <laughs> this is great. We should just do this every time. Because <laughs> this just seems like it's much more fun. It but, does. <laughs> Uh, I suppose that Teal'c does say farewell to his son and wife. I don't know why they decide to not bring them to Earth other than a writing decision to, like, now we don't need to worry about the son and wife for a while. That would be it. Yeah. Because they don't show up again for a while. Yeah. Holy crap, Tony Todd is six foot five. He's a big man. He's not small. He's also great in The Rock because, I mean, come on, it's The Rock. 
he's great in everything. He has made guest appearances on all three of the longest-running North American science fiction series, The X-Files, Smallville, and SG-1. He was also on Star... Uh, not, uh, started Stargate, uh, on, I started to say Stargate The Next Generation. Uh, Star Trek The Next Generation and Deep Space Nine. But neither, but neither of those ran nearly as long as SG-1, 10 seasons, Smallville, also well, 10 seasons. combined, they run longer than either of them. If that's how we're going to play it. I mean, that seems like cheating, though. I mean, if we're talking franchise instead of series, then you can add Star Trek in there, because it's... That 24 season, no, 27 seasons total. Uh, uh, yeah, hold on. Yeah, 20, yeah, 27, right. Yeah. Uh, 29 if you count the animated series. I'm not counting the Stargate animated series, so no. The Star Trek animated series is considerably more... Doesn't matter. You know, nope. related to the source matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> okay, well, but we're soon to have another season of, of Star Trek franchise. We're soon to have another no, season. No, 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 you cannot <laughs> count that as a season. Air quoting. I'm air quoting as hard as I possibly can. <laughs> I mean, new, new Stargate is, any new Stargate is better than no new Stargate. That's so true. Back to the episode. Teal'c gives his hard goodbye. The team salutes Braytac. Except Daniel, who does a weird, just half-hearted wave. Bang. Daniel. I th- you, know what I, you know what I bet it was? I bet he was kind of thinking about his granola bar. <laughs> I, think, I think he was... I, I think that that's how he mustered that, that feeling up, you know? That granola bar. Well, Teal's leaving behind his wife and child. I'm leaving behind my granola bar. <laughs> and the fade to black and fade to black no Walter this week no no yeah we had classic Hammond hardliner and then changes his mind because of some namby pamby we did have Dr. Frazier that's true did have some Dr. Frazier that's always that's always nice I mean all in all a, a solid episode especially in light of the characters we get that we're going to you know, the, the future recurring characters hmm Especially Braytech. Especially Braytech. Braytech will be back later this season. Yes. I mean, as late in this season as you can get, but yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah from the, especially from the perspective of that, sort of laying groundwork for future plot lines and mm-hmm. characters. I wonder if they knew. Which part? That this would be, that Braytech would be um, a very important recurring character at this point. Oh, that's a good question. If we get to the point where we can have guests like the writers, mm. we should jot that down as something to ask them. Yeah. You know, how much did they know ahead of time? How much were they kind of winging? Um, yeah, I have to imagine that the writers on this show had an inkling of it, but maybe not as much of it. Braytac shows up a couple, three times like every season. Oh yeah. Until like season eight? He shows up a couple times after that too. Okay. Because figured after season eight, a little bit less. I think less, yes, but I, I, I think he shows up at, uh, at least once okay. in the nine in nine and ten, which in the in the Ori arc, I guess, is the best way to describe that. That really is. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah now I'm going to look this up. Okay. But all in all, uh, you know, solid episode. I enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. I, I can see why you would include it in your rewatches and not some other episodes. I don't know if I would peg it as one of the strongest ones of the season so far, though. No. I, I think Thor's Hammer and Torment of Tantalus were a little better. Thor's Hammer, yes. Torment of Tantalus, maybe. I don't know. Torment of Tantalus, I, have a, I really like for whatever reason. Fair enough. All right. Well, thank you again for downloading and listening. Don't forget to like, favorite, and subscribe. Uh, the show is at Stargate Weekly on Twitter. And I am at Gamicus on Twitter. I am at Tyrannicus. Hey everyone, this is Thad. Uh, if you enjoyed the podcast we did last week, where I talked about my experiences at Star Trek Las Vegas, you might want to check out a recent episode of Shore Leave from the Tricorder Transmissions Podcast Network where I talk about another Star Trek convention in New Jersey that I was at. Uh, you can find them at thetricordertransmissions.com, uh, and I was on Shore Leave, episode 34, New Jersey Continuing Voyage Convention. A stranger, huh? All he wanted to bring you was trouble.